So I'm trying to make this a little more exciting for you, okay, so that you'll be able to receive and, and laugh and enjoy that God wants us to walk and minister, and minister in love. Amen? Okay. So, uh, you know, walking in this love of God, you know you can't do it in your own strength, right? You can't do it in your own willpower. I see ministers that talk all the time. They go, well, you just have to make a decision, and you just have to let the love of God flow through you. But if there's no love on the inside of you, how is it going to flow through? You have to put something on the inside. You have to put the love of God in you so that you can react when things go wrong and when you have pain and disappointment in your life. Amen? You can't run to the Bible when pain or someone offends you. You can't say, time out, wait a minute, let me go back and see what I'm supposed to do here, and then be ready. No, you have to be equipped. You have to, the Bible says, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. But if there's nothing lying in you, you won't be able to have peace with them. It's almost like when healing comes, when, when uh, uh, disease or illness comes, you have to quick hurry up and get some healing scriptures on the inside of you to combat what's coming against you. But when you're dealing with people, and you know people are funny, you know that? People say the darndest things. <laughs> and a lot of times it's the hurt that they've had in prior uh, parts of their life that they carry over. They say they've forgotten it, but it, gets, it seeps down in there, and then it comes out in the way they act towards you, the way they look at you, the way they respond to you. And you wonder, where did that come from? We had this one lady at our work, and she was always overlooked in her family. So guess what? When we had a little birthday party, and uh, we would have birthday parties, and then we canceled them, and then we reinstated them, and they were going to start them in June, and hers was in February, she had a fit. She said, what happened to February and everybody? She said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you on the next go-round. I said, no, I don't want anybody to have any. We, wondered, we, we couldn't figure out why. She was the only one in a room of about 60 or 70 people that objected. And after we talked with her, we found, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a growing up thing that you're going through. Okay, well, and we had this rule at Kaiser. If one person objects, then we all can't do it. So we, we didn't have it. No, no more birthdays. So praise the Lord. But sometimes, you know, you, you, you feel insecure or someone feels insecure, and so it comes out, and they're jealous of you, or, or they, they think people don't like you, and, and you wonder, why, where did that come from? It's something that was deposited on the inside of them. But we have to, we're going to clear ourselves from that, okay? I'm going to give you some, some principles where you're going to be clear and clean on the inside, because the Bible says, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you cleanse yourself of all the hurt and the pain that you've gone through, you're able to talk and be able to be ministered to the Lord in a, in a clean way, a pure way. Amen? And so uh, um, we, we can't hide from the presence of the Lord. Did you know that? God, God is omni, omnipresent. He, he's everywhere. But remember, Adam and Eve, they tried to hide from the presence of the Lord, tried to hide their sin, tried to hide their hurt. And God said, where, where are you? I, I, I see you. I hear you. And how about Cain? When he, when he uh, uh, committed a sin, when he kill, killed his son, he tried to go out from the presence of the Lord, and he couldn't. Jonah, guess what he did? He got on a ship and said, I'm going to hide from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord found him. So why are you running? Why are you trying to hide from the Lord? Just turn yourself in. Give up. Okay, Lord, I got problems, okay? Come, cleanse me. Because he is omnipresent, he is everywhere, 
And then also he's a, he has an indwelling presence on the inside of us. He dwells on the inside of us, right? So he's, he's going through the hurt with you. And then also there's a manifested presence of God where he comes and actually displays himself and manifests himself to you. The way I could describe it is if we had a millionaire sitting in the back row, and I knew he was a millionaire. He knows he's a millionaire, but he's not going to manifest it until he starts, what, maybe giving out $1,000 checks to everyone. Then he would be manifesting his presence. Now, he's not here today, so don't be looking for that check for $1,000. Dominic said he could use one. <laughs> but let's look at this here in, in, our, in our slides. In John 13, 34... Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I have loved you, that you should also love one another. So why does he say a new commandment? I looked that up, and that new means it's a new way of loving, agape, unconditional, without merit, not asking for anything in return, just completely loving a person because that you are loved. That's what you do. You just love people. Is that the way you are? You just love people? Or are you like, you know, portioning it out? Oh, well, I'm going to love you a little bit, but not all the way because I don't know about you. I, I, I want to give to you, but I don't want to give too much because I don't know, you know, if I'm going to get it back. All this, you know, he said, I'm going to give you a new way of loving. Agape, unselfish, unmerited, without looking for something in return. And see, so love is not a feeling, it's a decision. It's not an emotion, it's an action. The Bible says, for God so loved that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Jesus said, no greater love has this, that a man lay down his life for his brother. It's action. It's not just defensive. Oh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm supposed to love you, so I love you. But don't call me. <laughs> don't write. Don't text. Don't Skype. Don't do anything. I love you, okay? I just love you. No. Love reaches out and does things. I heard about this, this pastor, Pastor Harper. He was a, a, in 1912, he was a British pastor, and he was called to America to do a speech, a week-long series on uh, how to win souls for Christ. And so he got on a ship with his sister, and with his daughter, his wife had died. But he got on the wrong ship. You know what ship he got on in 1912? Huh? No, it was the, 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 the ship was called the Titanic. <laughs> That's the wrong ship to get on, isn't it? It made one trip, and the unsinkable sank. So he was on that ship. And so as they hit the iceberg... He knew he was going down. He knew this was going to be it. 1,500 people had died on that. And so he jumped off the ship as it was going down. And you know what he was doing? Well, actually, before he jumped off, he was running around to people saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Don't, don't die not knowing Jesus. He was winning souls on the ship deck as the ship was going down. What was he thinking in his mind? He's thinking, i got to get these people before they die. And one guy said, don't, I, I object to you going around and, and preaching while we're sinking. He, he took his life jacket off and said, you need this more than I do. <laughs> because hopefully you'll, you'll get saved from the ship and get saved for your life. And so he was in the water as he jumped out. And as he was going, he was swimming 
to each person that was hanging on, you know, particles of the ship. And he was witnessing to him and saying, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven after this is over. And he was going from ship, I mean, from person to person to person. And then he sunk. He died. Hypothermia got him and he died. Now, how do we know he did this? Because one person, the last person that he witnessed to, testified and wrote a book, I was the last soul that Pastor Harper saved. And so he talks about that. And he said that he was uh, so consumed with getting people saved. My question is, are we that way? Are we so consumed that we need to minister to people and tell them about Jesus? Or are we just so complacent to just live in our own world and forget about what God has done for us? Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing something. I'm going to take some people out. We're going to go witnessing. We're going to start ministering to people. So if you're interested in that, come to me, talk to me. We're going to mobilize ourselves so we can go out and reach people and not be just stuck in our four walls. Because, you know, when you get stuck in your four walls, it just gets kind of claustrophobic. You know, when water is stagnant, it, it, it creates a lot of disease and everything. But when you're out flowing and you're moving and you're doing things for the Lord, he's going to replenish you and keep you going in his spirit. Amen? So let's look at the, If you look at the Bible, it's filled with love. You know that, right? So here's some scriptures to kind of encourage you on walking in love. The next uh, scripture is Romans 12, 10. It says, be kindly affectioned one to another. What does that mean, kindly affectioned? That means be, like bring an apple to the teacher, right? <laughs> Do nice, be kind, kind, kindly. If, you know, I was talking to a friend that we hadn't talked to for a while. I was getting some information about a class that we want to teach. And so I was talking about the other people that have come to the church that we uh, knew. And I mentioned Tara McFadden and her husband. You remember her husband, Charles, what a beautiful man he is, just soft, sweet, kind man. And I said, you know, Carolyn, if there's anybody that's nicer than me, it would have to be Charles. And she said, oh, no, Pastor Chuck, you, you are the kindest one I've ever met. You're the, you're, you're the most loving person I've ever met. I go, really? Oh, it touched my heart. I went and told my son. I go, you wouldn't believe what Carolyn told, said about me. She said I was the kindest person she ever met. She, he, he says, she's never lived with you. <laughs> I go, that's, that's just my son, okay? I'll go to my wife. I go, wife, you wouldn't believe what Carolyn said. She said I was the kindest person she ever met. And guess what Marianne said? She's never lived with you. <laughs> I said, come on. She's known me for, this. Carolyn's known me for 20 years. She's, seen, she's worked in the office with me for two to three years. She's seen me in adversity situations and, and situations that, you know, I could have gone off, but she said I was kind. I said, I don't care what you all say, but I want her to speak at my <laughs> funeral, okay? <laughs> that I am kindly affection. Praise the Lord. So be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. What does that mean, prefer one another? Give them what you want, preferring them. Again, I heard this, this message from one of these ministers. He had this home, a big home, and his neighbor was selling a house too, and he had in his mind, hey, I'll just knock down, I'll, I'll buy that house, knock them both down, and big a, build a bigger, better house on two 
uh, acres of land. That'd be wonderful. So he went over to his neighbor and he said, um, so I see you're selling your property. He goes, yeah, you want to buy it? He goes, yeah, I want to buy it. You can take the sign down now. I'll, I'll take it now. And he said, well, there's a lady coming at 2.30 today, and she's a teacher. She's got kids, and she wanted to look at it. He said, okay, well, let her look at it, and then afterwards give me a call, and we'll talk. So the lady came, and she went through, and she had kids, and she had a dog and everything. And so uh, after they left, they talked, and he said, well, how did she like the house? And the guy that was going to sell the house said, oh, she loved it. She just loved the house. He says, he's... He said, she said it was her dream house. So he says, okay. So he went back to his house and he went to pray to the Lord. And he said, Lord, uh, I'd like to buy that house. And he didn't hear anything from the Lord. He says, I don't even know that lady. <laughs> and, and Lord, why aren't, you, why aren't you excited about this? And he heard nothing from the Lord. He said, okay, I guess you don't want me to buy it. And he goes, that's it, your choice. You could do whatever you want. He said, well, I, I want to prefer someone. I want to prefer her if that's, you gave her that dream, didn't you? He said, yeah, I gave her that dream. So, okay, well, I don't want to step in between. I want to prefer her over my wishes, my desires. So we went back and told the guy, no, sell it to the lady. So they sold it to the lady. They put a pool in the backyard. And it was, he said, it was kind of nice to hear the kids, you know, playing in the pool again. Uh, or playing, and uh, he said, but the dog, <laughs> the wife said, did you get your gun? Can you shoot the dog? <laughs> and I can relate to that, anybody that has neighbors that have dogs. And then he goes, one day he was outside in the backyard, and the kids were playing, and they, the ball f came over the fence, and so they said to the, they said to the minister, he says, hey, old man, <laughs> Can you get our ball <laughs> and throw it over the fence? And he didn't get offended. He just took the ball and goes, oh, I don't know if I can do it, guys. It's so heavy. <laughs> and then he went and threw it over. So when you prefer one another, it's not like rosy perfection all the time, right? Sometimes you have to put up with people. You ever have to put up with people? Preferring one another in love, honoring them. Praise the God. Let's look at the next scripture in Galatians. 5.14, for the law is fulfilled in one word. A law? This is a law? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, love, Bible says love worketh no ill to his neighbor. If you love someone, you won't steal from them, you won't kill, you won't covet their wife. All these things that you do, if you have love, you won't do them. So don't, don't get, don't get uh, uneasy. We're going to show you how to work, walk in this love in just a few minutes, okay? Hang in there. Let's look at what else God, uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yes, I agree with that, you know, because enemies are supposed to be hated. Is that right? No. Jesus was saying some things that they had never heard before. It blew them out of the water. What did he say? You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, Resist not evil. If someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles. Why that? One mile is for them, and the second mile is for you to get your attitude right. He said, if someone asks you for a tunic, give them your cloak as well. 
This blew them out of the water. And it still blows us out of the water now, right? Because he says this. He says, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And you say, praise God. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, Jesus. I like that. That's a great saying. I'm not going to do it, but that's a great saying. <laughs> Isn't that the way we are? But we're supposed to actually love one another. Love your enemies. You, I heard the story about these uh, missionaries that went overseas and they were uh, witnessing to a tribal clan and the tribal clan killed them. Husband and wife, they killed them. We, we know of a missionary in the Philippines that got killed. Some, some, just some hoodlum guys just grabbed him and killed him. But anyway, so the, the kids of these, of these parents, what did they do? They went and back to that tribe and began to minister to them and bring them to Christ. The very ones that killed their parents, they loved them. Can you do that? I don't know if I could do that. I heard this one story about this, this girl, young girl that was killed by a guy just randomly. He was in prison. So the parents went to him and said, you know what? You took our daughter. We forgive you. But she was going to be a missionary as well. So I, we need you to start studying and be a missionary and fulfill what she, her calling was. And so they set up an online training school for him. So he got uh, his license and he was able to go out and be a missionary to replace what he had taken away. What kind of parents would do that? What, what kind of love to love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Well, you can't do it in your own strength. Isn't that true? You can't do it in your own strength. But look, let's look at this First Peter. Next, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3.19 says, this is amazing. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a hard thing to understand. It says, you're supposed to know something that you, do, you can't know. <laughs> know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. How can you do that? How can you know something that you can't know? He says, because once you get the love of Christ on the inside of you, once you experience it, that first know is perceiving and uh, understanding or feeling or experiencing the love of Christ, it passes your knowledge. That's why a, a person can go to the mission field after they killed your parents. It passes knowledge. You'd have to tell them, are you okay? Do you need some counseling? Why would you do something like that? But the Bible says we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted is an agricultural term. That means we go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Grounded is an uh, architectural term that you can't be shaken. You're rooted and grounded in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go on here. Look quickly, and then we're going to get to our, 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 our um, assignment. The next scripture says, here's 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you, that's all of you, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Called to what? Called to being mistreated. Called to having evil done to you. Have you ever had evil done to you on your job or in your neighborhood or wherever you're at? 
Evil is there. Because what? People are evil. But he says, don't return evil for evil, but contrawise. Blessing. In other words, when somebody offends you, how do you fight back? With blessing, with love, with, you know, giving. And the last scripture in this part, the next scripture says in 1 Peter 3, 10 through 11, he who would love life and see good days, you want to see, you want to see good days? You know how we always tell somebody, have a good day, have a good day, have a good day. Well, what do you think is going to happen? All of a sudden, like the stars are going to line up and all of a sudden, because you said it, they're going to have a good day? No. <laughs> he who will love life and see good days, let him do this. What? Refrain his tongue from evil. There's the problem right there. Our tongue. And his lips from speaking guile or deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Pursue peace. That means you have to go out and find somebody that's doing you wrong and be loving towards them. Reach out and love somebody. Amen? Are y'all y'all ready for this? Okay, here we go. Here's how you do this. Here's how you put the love of God in you. Okay, let's go to this scripture. I'm going to read it all, and then I'm going to go back and go individually on it, okay? It says, this is the love chapter in the Amplified Version, 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Next slide says, it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Is that, your, is that a description of you? Yeah, huh, wow, huh? Let's go back to the beginning. There's no way you can be that way. <laughs> now, my wife and I, we used to... We used to uh, we used to meditate on this, and that's what you have to do, meditate on it for 30 days. And so we used to check each other, say, how are we doing? So I would say, well, how am I doing on enduring long and, and being patient and kind? And I thought I'd get about an eight or something like that. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, about a four. I went, four? What are you talking about, four? I could remember the times that I endured long, but she didn't, it, it didn't account to her. She's a, she, she grades low, you know. <laughs> I'm grading high. <laughs> but it says love endures long. It doesn't say how long is long, does it? There's no time period in that. It doesn't say like, okay, for 30 days endure, for six months endure, for one year. No, it says endures long because it's not a time. It is a state of mind, a state of heart. You are long-suffering. That's the way you are. Remember, the disciples asked Jesus, well, how, long are we, how, how many times are we supposed to forgive? He said seven. He says seven times 70 in one day. You just keep, you have a forgiving heart. Like when people say, I'm trying to forgive them. No, you don't try to forgive them. You forgive them. And you wait for the emotions to come back on you. 
So endures long and is patient and kind. Some people endure long and they're not patient or kind. Like when you're in the grocery market and the little old lady's fumbling around in her, in her purse trying to find her, oh my, oh, I just don't know where my, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, lady, come on. <laughs> you stomp your foot, you look around, you make noises. <sighs> is that being patient and kind? You're enduring, but you're, you're painful doing it. But being kind would be to say something like, are you having trouble, ma'am? Or you have a beautiful purse there. Oh, yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Oh, I don't do that. Well, what about the person that gets promoted ahead of you? Right? Or you're believing for something and you don't get it and someone, your best friend does, and it doesn't seem like they go to church as much as you do. They don't pray as hard as you do. They're not as spiritual as you are. And the Lord gives them this and doesn't give it to you. Oh, I'm not envious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so happy for you. No. Never boils over jealousy, not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomely. This is where I kind of mess up right here. I, I'm not really rude, but I'm unmannerly or and act unbecomely. I tease a lot, okay? And, and so I get in trouble for just goofing off and teasing, you know? Like in basketball, <laughs> if, if a kid beats me, you know, going to the hoop, Instead of saying, nice, nice, nice play, I take the ball and I throw it at him. <laughs> I want to let him know my displeasure, okay? <laughs> but that's not godly, is it? But it's fun. <laughs> but, you know, the, my friends go, pastor, <laughs> you shouldn't. Okay, I know I shouldn't. Okay, so when I was reading this, I realized, oh, I got to I got to firm up on that. Okay, love God's love on us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking, right? Like the like the guy that gave up his house or gave up buying a house and his dream because he he uh, he he didn't insist on its his own rights or his own way. Don't we have to do that? Even in conversation, don't we have to let somebody else be right? Do we always have to be right ourselves? Do we always have to make our arguments known? Yes. <laughs> or can we just let the person, you know, blow off steam and talk? Insist on our own rights. Or, no, that's wrong. I got to give them a piece of my mind. You know what happens when you give people a piece of your mind, right? After a while, you don't have any more pieces left. So, Okay. Here's another one where I get get knocked down for it. Not touchy or fretful or resentful. Not touchy. I don't know. I don't know. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I said over there. That's probably why I got the low grade. On my <laughs> are we touchy? Now, you, I'm looking at y'all. You look all real peaceful, loving, kind, everything. But, you know, take you home. <laughs> Might be a little different story. So we have to be not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes, how, how can anybody do this? I'm going to show you how in a minute. Okay. It takes no account of the evil done to it. What does that mean, no account? 
It means you don't keep score. It's an accounting term. It's like, okay, that's three times this month that you did that. I don't want to tell you again, okay, because I'm counting. <laughs> Takes no account of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Someone wrongs you, speaks ill of you, you know, uh, you know says bad things about you, and you, you don't pay attention to it. Oh, really? You, are you talking to me? It's kind of like, and I'm going to get to this, it's, it's kind of like when you have your heart cleansed and you have the love of God on the inside of you, things don't bother you. Like if you ever, you ever watch um, soap operas, not anymore, but I mean when you used to watch soap operas, when they get, start yelling at each other, do you get upset at that? No, you just, they're yelling at them. They're not, it's, not, it's not bothering you. But when your family does it to you, you get upset. You pay attention to it. But if you're, if you're um, protected on the inside, you look at them the same way you look at someone on TV. You go, oh, I see you're upset. Hmm. Are you okay? <laughs> Need help? <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Because when, when you're perfecting this, and Marianne can attest to this, people would offend or, uh, yeah, suffer me or uh, do me wrong, and I wouldn't even notice. She goes, do you know what they just did? I go, no, what did they do? She'd have to explain it to me. Because I was just, I was, I was, uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the word protected or, or yeah, shield over me. Yeah, it just didn't, just didn't bother me. Because I, I learned this story. A ship is in the water, isn't it? And that's okay. The water is outside the ship. But if the water gets in the ship, it's going to sink. And if that evil that they're spoken gets on the inside of it, you're going to sink. You're going to give in to it. So you pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Next slide. It does not rejoice that injustice or, and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. What does that mean? That means that you don't rejoice in somebody else's calamity. You don't say, oh, I, they deserved it, you know. <laughs> they lost their house, you know. They, they just, they weren't living right anyway, you know. They're getting a divorce. Oh, well, you know, he wasn't right anyway. All these things, we don't rejoice in that, but we rejoice when right and truth prevail. Now, here's the ending of this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love bears up. You might say, well, I can't bear up under this. No, but love can. The love of God that's shed abroad in our heart, it can bear up under anything and everything that comes. Ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now, that's hard to do sometimes. Hard to find that, that, that good point about them. But it's possible. In fact, they have this, this uh, study where they took some groups of people, some kids that were um, academically at a certain level, and then they took some other kids academically at the same level. One group of people, they said how good they were. They complimented them. Oh, you guys are doing so good. You're going to do great. You know, I see you have great potential. The other people, they said, you know, you're just not making it. You're not, you're not good. You're not good enough. I don't, you know, you're probably not going to pass. All these things they would say. And guess what? This group, same IQ, same intelligence, did better than the ones that were talked down to or mean to. So it's all in how you believe the best of every person. You know, if a, <laughs> a husband's going off to work and the wife says, you know, you're always working. You're always busy, busy, busy. You never spend time with me. You're never, you know, you're always concerned about what you're doing. And, and you know, you're going to work. Just go ahead and go to work. Well, how does that make a guy feel? 
Not too good, right? But if she says, oh, honey, I'm so proud of you. You provide for us. You do such wonderful things. You're so loving. You're so kind. I'm so thankful that I married you. Oh, okay, now he feels good. Now he can go to work. Right? Same thing with a child when you send him to school. You're going to do great today. You're going you're gonna to excel. God's going to give you wisdom. God's going to do great things through you, right? So you believe the best of the person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But your hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. That means you're not going to give up. You're going to get stronger the more you keep believing, the more you keep uh, enduring. And love never fails. You have to believe that what God has said is true, that it'll never, you can win somebody, someone over in love. I can testify to it. I've seen it happen in my own life, in my wife's life. life. I've seen it happen, right? You can do it. Okay, so how do you do this? How can you get what's on the screen there to get into your heart? Well, you have to meditate in it day and night. Why? The Word of God has got to be planted into the soil of your heart so that it can grow and get root and, and uh, grow up and bring forth fruit. Right? It's the same for everybody. Everybody can be like this. Do you know that? But it takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of time. And some of you uh, maybe are desperate enough to say, you know what? I need to change my life. I need to see me be like that. And I'm here to tell you, if you do it for 30 days, you won't recognize yourself. You'll wonder, what happened to me? Where is my personality? I don't have any hurts anymore. I'm just a loving guy, a loving girl. Right? You can testify. Amen. Amen. Patricia did that when she had some things that she needed to get clean in her life. She began meditating. I don't mean just once a day. I don't mean just once in a while. I mean just put it into your heart and water it day after day. And here's what happens. The first week or so, you look at it and go like, oh, man, I'm really missing it. I, I'm, not doing, I'm not enduring long at all. I'm just I'm taking account of all the evil done to me. I'm mad at this person. And you see, oh, man, I'm missing it. And then the next second and third week, you find out, well, you know, Sometimes I do good, and sometimes I don't do so good on this, but I'm getting better. I've seen sometimes when I hold my mouth, I don't say the things I'm supposed to say, and I see it working in my life. And then finally, you get to the last week, and all of a sudden, you don't even have to try anymore. You're just doing it, and the Word of God just is helping you, showing you how to love people, how to believe the best of them, to not take account. I know my wife and I, we were doing this, and uh, I, I have some... Creative driving habits. <laughs> I do things that, you know, normally wouldn't be written in the, in the code book, right? For instance, we're going down the street and we're trying to see the movie, what time the movie's going to show. And we can't see it because we're driving and, and, and it was such small letters. So I said, I got an idea. Sometimes you got to be careful. <laughs> so, so I got in the left lane and it was a red light, and I stopped, and I hopped out of the car, and I ran over to the marquee, and I looked. I go, okay, 7 o'clock, and I ran back in. Now, normally, my wife, who follows the law precisely, would be having a fit, saying, what are you doing leaving me out here in the middle of the street? 
with the car running and the door open. What, what do you, what does possess you, you know? But because we're doing these scriptures, she said, yeah, I was just sitting there, wondering what you were doing. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even get upset. I just, oh, there he goes. <laughs> I'm sure everything will be all right. <laughs> it, it insul that's the word, insulates you from what you're facing on the outside. Because you know what? When you have the love of God on the inside of you, you know he's taking care of you. He's loving you. You're loving him. You're loving his people. And God will bestow blessings upon you. Amen? So in conclusion, look at it this way. The Christian life is that we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in love, in his love. Knowing Christ, knowing his love, results in spiritual maturity. And it's a never-ending process because it never ends because life goes on. When we get to heaven, we won't have to deal with all this. But while we're here on earth, know that love, God's love on the inside of us will keep us from the pain and the suffering of this world, keep you tuned into him, and to be able to receive all of his blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.